You're listening to Empath at Work. Come share this space with us as we explore how we harness empathy in life and at work. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Empaths at Work. Today, we have a guest that I am very excited to introduce you to. This is someone that I have known for 14, 15 years. It's been a long time, and this was such an awesome excuse to reconnect and really get to know her better and hear about her life. And I am so excited to introduce you to Amy Schultz, co-founder and head coach at Boulder Money. For me, this import this is an important episode. I think there is a lot of relationship to money that can be both healthy, um, but can also be really challenging. And I am so excited to be talking to someone who has such a strong handle on the power that it can bring, the way that it can help change your life, but also some of the actions that you can take to really use money as a tool versus something that weighs you down. So without further ado, Amy Schultz, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Seriously, we are so excited. (laughs) It's going to be such a fun conversation. Um, And it wouldn't be empaths at work if we didn't start out with an Ew, no. <laughs> moment of the week. <laughs> so Amy, um, when is the time in the past, I don't know, a couple of weeks where you used empathy in your life? Oh, yeah, I love that question. I think it for me, when like I've been thinking about that since I first started listening to the podcast and it happens for me a lot. I think the one that comes to mind right now is probably around um, – what's happening in terms of overturning Roe and just mm-hmm. a lot of the stories that we're hearing about women who don't have access to healthcare um, that they really need. And for me, everything I do in my business is based off of empathy. It's based off of like, if I hear a story about another woman who's suffering or who doesn't have the options that she knows she could have, like I, I feel that so much and it kind of compels me into action. So just since that's come out, um, I've been working like crazy. I'm either like working or sleeping. Like I'm trying so hard mm-hmm. to take care of myself, but it's also so motivating and turning it into like, okay, we've got to get out there and get more clients because we have to be helping more women have more money so that we can put them in positions of power so that they can make these choices. Um, and so I've been like hiring coaches, like sending out, you know, speaker proposals, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so all of that for me, it's emotionally draining because it does come from a place of empathy, but it's also, um, it's beautiful because I think a lot of the the people that we work with and just being in this, in an industry that really cares about um, economic justice and all of it, you just kind of end up working with people who are like, yes, those stories, the the sadness that's out there, the pain, like that Mm -hmm. fuels you. So that for me, that's that's something that's happened recently, but I think I see that a lot just in, in the work that we do and in our business. Yeah, that's an incredible example. And it's so cool that you used something um, terrible, in my opinion, something that's been really challenging and on the hearts of so many people um, in this country and certainly around the world as as a way for you to really support and lift up women and help them find their place and their footing through the work that you do. So I, I really applaud you because that is, that's an awesome way to really find that fuel inside of you that drives the world and helps to bring change and, and bring support to people that don't currently have it. So that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I love the way you said that. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) good. Well, it's all true. And I think, you know, maybe we should, 
back up just a, a wee bit and mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the company that you founded and the the work that you've been doing and and really what the mission is. Yeah. So we so we're Boulder Money. We are a company on a mission to close the gender wealth gap. Um, a lot of people hear about the pay gap, which is that women earn 82 cents to every dollar that a man earns. The wealth gap is what women own. So in terms of net worth mm-hmm. compared to um, men, it's much worse. It's 32 cents on the dollar. I know, like your face, like, yes, it's 32 <laughs> cents on the dollar. And so there's a lot of reasons for that. Obviously, the pay gap is one of them. Also, a big reason for that is the standard of financial health um, in our in our country for women. And it's either, you know, a lot of standard, I'm just going to stereotype here, old men who mm-hmm. are financial advisors, or a lot of do-it-yourself apps and education that aren't taking into consideration the emotional relationship that we all have with money. So at Boulder, what we're trying to do is, to, like, address the fact that yes, money is emotional. We all have a money story. We all have a relationship with it that maybe is making us feel ashamed or embarrassed or intimidated. And we address those things through coaching and then help women do the practical things so that they can earn more money, build wealth, and just feel more confident about it in general. That's so inspiring. Just like such great work. And it's also funny because I feel like often when you think about like financial advisors and things like that, historically, it's been like more about like accumulating wealth and maybe more so on like greed side, but the fact of the power of putting more money into women's hands and the the impact that can have is, is really gives it more of like a purpose versus just let's just get rich, you know? Right. Yeah. I think like so many women we talk to, they're like, if I had more money, I would make a difference in the world. I would, you know, take care of myself. And even that, if a woman has enough money where she can take care of herself and like do the things she wants to do and other people see her doing that, that in itself can change the world. So for us, it's like, yeah, it is so much more. Yes. We want them to have lots and lots of money because that only helps everybody, but there's, there's other reasons behind that too. That's incredible. I even remember our conversation um, from maybe a week or two ago where you were saying that you want to be able to help the people who are help or just help people in general who are challenged with the the biggest pains in their lives and be able to enable them and empower them through coaching so that they can go out and impact their their community. And it's so cool to see how dedicated and how passionate you are about this, especially in light of, of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So I, it's, it's so cool. And I, I think one of the things that really struck a chord for me in that same conversation is the relationship between empathy and money. Mm -hmm. And I would love to just kind of open it up again and, and really hear from you. What do you see between, you know, as you look at the relationship between empathy and money? Yeah, so it's it's a complicated relationship because in some circumstances, they can kind of be like at odds with each other because we're always saying like, you know, you have to be assertive at work. You have mm-hmm. to be able to like really advocate for yourself fiercely and all those things. Unfortunately, in our in this, the American work culture, that's just kind of how it has to be right now. Um, and so for empaths, it can be really hard to do that because we're always thinking about other people and what are other people's feelings. We're like soaking up that energy. So it can be so hard to just like look within 
and be like, what do I need right now? How am I going to get myself to a place where I need to be? And so a lot of the choices that we make are about other people and, and mm -hmm. not, not enough about like, where does my power come from? What's going to, to help me take care of me? And so when we think about money, a lot of it is about our relationship with ourself. Like, what do we think about ourselves? What do we believe to be true about our, our abilities? Um, you know, are we confident about our ability to make the best choices for ourselves financially, all of that? And unfortunately, it just it just sometimes with empaths, it's it's not always easy to to lift yourself up and to think of yourself as like number one, like I'm gonna I'm mm -hmm. gonna do all the things for me because I deserve it and because I'm allowed to and because I have permission to build whatever life I want. So a lot of times in, in our coaching with women, regardless really of whether they are um, you know empaths or not there's a lot there's a lot of work around self and a lot of work around like who you know what do you believe is possible for you what do you believe that you deserve and all of that and i think it's just that much harder when when you're an empath because it's it's like mm -hmm. first of all you need somebody else a lot of times to like validate that for you and say it <laughs> to you but even then it can be hard to remember in those moments where like you're you're setting a boundary with somebody at work you're saying no or you're you're saying like yes, I do deserve this, this pay raise in this amount because of this work that I did when there's a little voice in your head that's like, mm, but like they're uncomfortable in this moment. So that's hard. Yeah, <laughs> I totally think, relate to that. Yeah, it makes a lot of the conversations harder. It just makes advocating for yourself, which is what we need to do in terms of money. It makes it harder. Absolutely. So I, I had a friend, uh, a male friend, asked me for some advice a couple of weeks ago. So he was explaining that, you know, um, after a hiatus from work, he finally got a job and um, it's been going well so far. And because somebody else was leaving, they asked him if he wouldn't mind doing a dual role um, until they hire and to fill that 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 new role. Right. And he said yes. Um, and then realized that, well, you know, he'd still be making the same amount of money. So he was sharing that frustration with me and asking me what I thought about him voicing out how he felt to HR. And my advice was, well, you know, just be mindful that you might come across like a little bit greedy, <laughs> like especially when you've just joined. And, you know, he heard me out, but he decided to go ahead and voice it out anyway. And so yesterday he sent me a text and he said, oh, so HR got back to me and said that they will give me an allowance for as long as I do the dual roles. And I, I was like mind blown, right? Thinking, right. see, if that was me, I wouldn't have said anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would have been on, on the short end of the stick, right? So I, this fascinates me so much. Yeah, it's so true. And I could like hear that from you. And I would be like, no, Cheyenne, like now we're going to, we're going to look up what they would have been paying that new hire and how long this is going to last for and what, like all of that, because that happens so much. And it's not, it's not like a dual role. Yes. But it's also like, there's dual roles all the time that women aren't paid for that empaths aren't paid for like mm -hmm. um the person who throws the parties all the time at work the person who's like in charge of birthdays the person who's like carrying the morale of the company on their back and not really getting paid for it those people are usually the empaths because they they see problems in the workplace and they want to fix them but more often than not they're not getting paid for that and that's a problem too you guys have been and that person I, I mean, I have too. I, yeah. yeah, I have too, yeah. for sure. I remember when I was that person when I worked in the corporate world 
And the one time I had to miss, like I would throw these like happiness sessions where I would do like, like positive psychology things. I was like trying so hard and I had to, had to miss one. And I asked one of my male colleagues if he would do it in my place. And he was like, absolutely not. I don't have time for that. And I was just like, like, cool. Like I don't either, but like I'm making time for it, you know, but it's so now looking back on that, I'm like, yeah, of course, because in his mind, he's like, no way. I'm going to go out and get more sales and like make more money. I'm not going to worry about taking care of the, the office, but that's what mm. us empaths are doing. <laughs> True. I'm curious though, because you had mentioned where you're focusing more on like the wealth portion. And I'm curious to hear more about how you focus on that from like, I would assume it's from like an investment perspective, but would love to hear more of how you work to try to close the gap there. Yeah, for sure. So a lot of times what we see is women who don't really have a lot of savings. They haven't Mm -hmm. really started investing. They haven't been setting aside enough money for themselves. Um, And what happens is we get to this place where we're used to just like not holding on to our money, not like seeing our money grow. We're used to like, I need to spend it on this or it's so-and-so's birthday. So I have to make sure that like I, I throw a nice party for them or I buy them this or everybody wants to go out to this place tonight. So I need to make sure that I'm going there. And so our, our lifestyles are such that our money is just kind of like spread really thin. And so we have to get used to saying, okay, you can do whatever you want with your money. Like it's okay, but we have to be intentional so that you are also able to save money and to start investing. Mm-hmm. And so we really take women through this process where we're looking at their lives holistically to say, what do you want to be doing with your money? But then also like if you have an emergency fund of three to six months savings, you're able to make choices for yourself based on what do I want to do? What am I capable of? What career do I want? Instead of like, I have to be doing this because I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. So we kind of start there and look at how do we get you used to like thinking about money in that way? And then also looking at what are the barriers for you to start investing? What are the barriers for you to start earning passive income in that way? A lot of times it's just an intimidation factor. It's just like, I don't want to do the wrong thing. I'm so afraid of people finding out that I made a bad investment or that like I clicked the wrong button on an app and lost $10,000, like, which I don't know that that really happens, but that's like just what I hear from people that they're so afraid of that happening. And Maybe so we work out. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. So we work on like the fears behind that. Like, are these rational fears? Are these irrational? It doesn't really matter because either way they're real. And so we have to address those first. What happens when we do it that way is that people are like, oh my God, I'm, I'm seen, I'm heard. Of course, this is how I felt or why I felt this way with money because of my experiences, because of my patterns with money. And so mm-hmm. now I'm like, I can take a breath. I can start letting go of some of that shame that I've been carrying and I can start taking the right steps to, to do things and actually build wealth. It's so inspiring. And it's, <laughs> I'm like, I know I just said a mouthful there. <laughs> no, because, no it's, yeah, yeah, it's really hard to, speaking as somebody who's been trying to become more like financial literate, who's mm-hmm. been financially illiterate, um, it's really intimidating to to what you're saying to understand what are the right investments you should make like what should be your balance of like what you should be saving versus investing and then for instance with the time that we're in right now where there's all this talk about the recession and the stock yeah. tanking like what do i do and right. um so it can be really intimidating and i could imagine having a coach could be 
helpful to have somebody that you can lean on to trust versus, you know, just Googling or trying to figure it out on your own. Yeah. A lot of times we're like the first time that, that women have, they come to us and that they've ever been vulnerable about the stress in their lives and like what's yeah. really going on with work and all of that. And that's really rewarding to see because we're just like, oh my God, if we had safe spaces like this to talk about things all the time, the world would be a different place. Um, yeah. You guys, this, cause this is like, I think everybody needs to know this. Of course now I can't find it, but it was like, I think black families own. So the wealth gap for black families is like 10 cents to a dollar. Wow. A family wow. with, with, a, with a black woman who is head of household makes 10 or owns 10 cents to every dollar that a family who's owned, who's headed by a white man owns. And it's just like, it's unbelievable. That's what breaks my heart is, is when I see families where it's just like, you know, that our world is not set up to help you. Yeah. That that's like a hundred percent where I do what I do because I'm like, somebody has to do something different. Like it's not okay to just, to just let that happen. Um, but yeah, thinking about the recession. So we just had um, a group coaching session around that. I called it um, infla inflation, recession, and bear markets. Oh my, I thought that was like really clever. <laughs> I was super proud of it. And like half of our group got it. And the other half was like, why? Like, what are you talking about? Um, but what we talked about was that so many of the things that we need to be doing right now. I mean, first of all, we don't know if there's going to be a recession. A lot of the economists don't know if there's going to be a recession. A lot of times they don't know that there has been a recession until it's over, which is what I happened. I just in, learned in, about in, that because I was trying yeah. to learn it too. And like, <laughs> even they don't tell you you were in a recession until like almost two years after. Right. Yeah. And then when it's over, they also tell you after. So it's like, right. I guess it's and then we're like academic research versus, yeah. Yeah, because well, because there aren't enough people addressing the emotional side. So like basically for two yeah. years, we just freaked out about money. And at yeah. the end of the two years, they told us, oh, it's good that you were freaking out about money, but it's okay now. And we're like, okay, great. So now what do we do? But the things that we talked about are really like holding steady. And that's one of the most important things you can do, regardless of whether there's a recession, like inflation is high right now, the markets are dropping. So if, if you are an investor, it's really important to just like hold steady, like don't make any rash decisions, don't pull all your money out because that's the only way you lose. And in terms of um, your lifestyle, that's where it's important to like really be as intentional as possible about your spending. So obviously like gas prices are ridiculous, food prices, it's even hard to like find the, the food that you normally eat right now. I don't know yeah. if anybody else is experiencing that, yeah. but I am. And so it's just like, this is the time to really just take care of yourself, try to stay calm, get creative about different things, maybe pick up a side hustle. If you, if you find that your paycheck isn't stretching as far and you're not able to, to reach your goals, we have so many members who are like getting part-time work right now and just starting the mm -hmm. side hustle that they always wanted to start. And that's really cool to see too, is that like, you don't have to sit there and think that you're out of control. You can do other things to earn some money if you need to. But for the most part, it's about just like staying calm keep doing the things that you know you should be doing, like setting money aside mm -hmm. for emergencies, like spending with intention and like not like delete your Robinhood app. Like don't look at your investments every day. <laughs> Just don't do it. <laughs> and maybe delete Uber Eats too. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> I have a hard time with that one because like Chipotle right now, it's like $14 for it to have a burrito delivered to you. And then it's like another $6 for 
the um the fees and things to have it delivered so i'm like oh, my geez. my yeah i just that's where i'm struggling <laughs> it's like <laughs> i like love like once a week ordering food and just like having it delivered and not having to worry about it and now i'm like even that is like a luxury right now um, so i think for yeah for a lot of people it's just we're just kind of like thinking differently about what we're spending money on right now definitely it's so interesting i the more we talk, the more I'm like, oh my God, Amy, I need to sign up and like become I a mean, member. You, you might. <laughs> I think, I think I do. Well, it's, it's also one of those things that as someone who is trying to become a stronger independent person and have that financial stability that I've always wanted, like candidly, I've been candidly podcast and everybody listening. Right. I've been <laughs> renovating my house for the past three years and I've done a lot of it by hand, but materials are not cheap. So mm -hmm. I'm not as far along in my, in my savings goals as I'd like to be. And I, I think it seems like a really awesome tool, especially that there's like those group sessions because, mm -hmm. you know, again, being that we're still in a world that can feel sometimes isolating, especially around hard topics. Like I want to, I want to have a community of people I can lean on. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm so inadvertently giving you a, commercial here, but I, know. I, I think it's so <laughs> beneficial. Yeah. Does this tie into you? I, I know one of the things you and Katie previously talked about were financial boundaries, and I'm really curious mm -hmm. to learn more about that. Does this tie into that when you're talking about the risk um, recession and being more intentional with your spending? I think it, I think honestly, everything that we've talked about so far, like the things happening in the news, the, the fears yeah. that we can feel around, around money. And then also, yes, the emotional strain that we're feeling right now from, again, just like, is there a recession inflation's up the bear markets, the overturn of row? It's like, oh my God, like, what are we supposed to be doing? And so yeah. it's really important right now to set boundaries in a lot of areas of life, but especially with money and especially with work. So financial boundaries can mean that you decide you are only going to spend a certain amount on going out to brunch every month. And then your friends say, oh, well, it's it's so-and-so's birthday, a distant friend somewhere, and we all need to go and we're all going to chip in. And you're like, that's not really in my plan. I don't really want to do that. So I'm going to say no. And here's why. And I hope you understand now that like for how many of you were you just like oh my god no i would not like i don't want to have to say that to anybody ever <laughs> yeah. So that, it's, yeah it's really hard to do sometimes um but situations like that come up a lot and mm -hmm. it's also things like at work one of the most common things we see with with um overspending problems is that we're working all day like 10 hour days we're super exhausted mm -hmm. and tired all we want to do is sit on the couch and have food ordered and then online shop that's like our self-care sometimes in the pandemic that really became our self-care um and so setting boundaries with work around mm -hmm. when i'm gonna go home at the end of the day when i need to fit in my workouts so that i'm like actually taking care of myself because the online mm -hmm. shopping isn't really cutting it and then also setting boundaries with yourself of like i'm not gonna let myself just sit here and and wallow in whatever stress is going on i'm going to to do something that i know is going to alleviate that stress instead of just like a quick fix, like, you know, getting on um, Instagram shopping or Amazon or, or whatever it is. And so boundaries really can, can mean all kinds of things. And boundaries are one of the hardest things for empaths to have. <laughs> so that's why this conversation is especially important because the people that you see who are really like on a straight, 
straight line career path. They know what they want. They know how much money they want to make. Mm -hmm. They know what they want to save. They know what their goals are and they're just getting them. They have a ton of boundaries and mm -hmm. they are, they've built themselves up a lot that they don't have a hard time saying no to everybody. So something that we encourage our, our clients to do, especially clients who are business owners or who have like really um, tasking jobs or tasking lives, like moms, this is a good one for you. If it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Mm -hmm. And that can be true for like being invited out somewhere. That can be true for projects that like somebody asks you to help out with at work. That could be true with, um, you know, anything that you're looking to buy, any experience, whatever it is. Once you get in that mindset of like, I'm going to make the best choice for me, that's the, then all your, it becomes much easier to make boundaries because you just kind of use that as a guide. That's an awesome tool. Yeah. It's just like a great rule of thumb for life, oh, like yes, especially for moms. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I'm going to adopt that as my motto. Right. Exactly. And I'm I didn't make it. Anyway. I don't know where I heard it from. I don't know if I can take credit for it. So if somebody somewhere is listening, like actually I came up with that, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of being mom, so I, I was wondering, you have kids, you know, I've got mm -hmm. kids. I'm wondering how can we as like the responsible adult like what would you say we can start doing now with really little kids to start introducing them to having financial boundaries like how yes any tips or like advice you would give great question um i like i experienced this so much i had lived at crocker park for a while in the fall which is like a, sh a shopping center um and it was a great place to live but it, oh my gosh my kids would be like can we buy this can we buy that like because everywhere like any when we went we walked to the grocery store and we passed like eight stores or like we were going out to eat a lot and it got to the point where i'd have to be like i didn't bring my wallet like i didn't i don't have money on me right now <laughs> and so then they were like oh okay and the, and i realized like i had gotten into this habit of everywhere we went they got a toy they got something and I was like, oh my God, I have no boundaries with my kids. Like I do this for a living <laughs> and my kids are just like money suckers. Like they just take it, all of it from me. And so now I've started teach. I, it's lucky because my, my five-year-old is like really into math, um, which I take full credit for. <laughs> and so we, he loves to do like math problems. So I'll talk to him about like, you know, this is what we want to spend this month on toys or on, you know, whatever it is. So we've already spent this much at Target. And so next time we go, we only have this much to spend. And so he'll kind of like do it like a game with me. Um, the reality is that I'm constantly worried about what I'm teaching them about money because I've seen so many bad money stories. So I'm, I'm always like, I just have to accept like I, at some point I'm going to say something that's going to stick with them and maybe it's mm -hmm. good. Maybe it's not good. I'm just going to like set aside some money for therapy later in case it's not good <laughs> and like, uh, you know, just do the best I can because yeah. ultimately like, I just, I believe like where my business partner always says to me, like, you're going to, you're going to screw up your kids in some way. Just like accept that <laughs> something that you know, it's not going to go well with them or like, you're not always going to say the right thing. But I think in terms of financial boundaries, it's just, it's not just like saying no, it's like involving them in the conversation somehow. So mm -hmm. they, they can see why you're doing something a certain way and that like money is more thoughtful than just a yes or a no. Yeah. I love that. That is the realest mom talk right there. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like and that also gets into the generational differences, which I'm 
also so curious to hear about. Yeah, we've we've seen that a lot. So our our members range in age um, from anywhere from like 23 to um, mid 50s. And so what we see a lot is that it's more about life experience and how they grew up around money. But mm -hmm. a lot of that is generational, like you do see generational patterns. So mm -hmm. with millennials, we saw older generations who were like working constantly and still not having enough money. So we're like, I don't want to work a ton. And also like, I still want to be doing all the things and like enjoying life. So we're kind of, we're kind of stuck in spending patterns that don't necessarily lead to a lot of wealth building, um, mm -hmm. like home ownership. Millennials don't really own as, as many homes as, as previous generations. And so something that we've seen with Gen Z is that they're seeing the millennials do this and they're just starting out in their careers and they're like, no, I want to get really good at money. So I'm going to live with mom and dad and save a bunch of money and like try to do the right thing for as long as I can. And because of the pandemic and because of like just I think how hard life is, maybe that's become more acceptable now. So it, it's just a really interesting pattern. We have these 20, 25 year olds who who join our membership and they're like um, they're kind of they haven't had a lot of pain around money, but they're so eager to learn. And they're like, I just want to start out the right way. And then they come to our group coaching sessions and we'll have like a 25 year old talking about that. And we'll have like a 45 year old, you know, with with four kids who's like trying to get out of debt and trying to save. And she's like, it's so amazing that you're here. Like, I'm so glad you're here. And she's like giving advice. And it's just really it's beautiful, like just to see the, the mixture of that and how we can all come together and kind of help each other out. But it is really fascinating the different ways that we um, that we learned about money and the different things that we saw because of being in those generations. I feel like that also goes to probably tied with money is you know all the I think this is probably maybe more tied to the like recession of like two thousand nine where all these mm -hmm. kids watched their parents lose their jobs and you know they yes. could have been out of jobs for multiple years so. Um, feeling like there was not a sense to be loyal to an employer because they can just drop you. And I think that also probably ties into some of the generational differences, which is interesting. Yeah, it is. And it's it's really cool. I'm in a um, a group coaching program for executives that I, I lead sessions in and I attend. And a lot of them are like CEOs, CFOs. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about how they have all these um, millennials and Gen Zers that they're they're like trying to hire and they just like, they want, they all want to work remotely and they don't, you know, they don't want to work eight hours a day and blah, blah, blah. And I'm kind of like, yeah. And like get used to it because that's the way our world should be. Like, it's ridiculous how much our lives are taken up by work. Um, so they all just kind of like, look at me, like, <laughs> what are you doing here? Um, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm wearing sweatpants right now. So <laughs> deal with it. Deal with it. Have you changed yeah. any minds from being in the, in the room with them? Well, or at least have you seen the conversation shift, I guess? Yes, I've seen the conversation shift in, in them realizing this isn't a battle we're going to win. Like this is yeah. this is the, the world changing. And if we want to retain really good people, we kind of have to put up with their with their demands, which are what we should all be demanding, I think, of, yeah. of which is just work life balance. To be honest, it's nothing more than that, but it just seems crazy to people who have been in corporate America for a very long time and are so far removed from the days when they were like just starting out and wished they could go home for dinner. So in the same way that we talk about kind of generational wealth and thinking about 
you know, those CEOs in the room who have the same mindset they've always had and thinking about breaking down some of those barriers and boundaries. And as I'm saying this out loud, it feels like a perfect kind of way to, to, to wrap everything together is thinking about Roe v. Wade and how mm-hmm. our government has been made up of very similar mindset and very similar types of people for generation. I mean, since the beginning of our country mm-hmm. and how there's really an opportunity to crack that, nope, blow that door open. Right. I don't want to say that. I'm not going to say blow that door open. That's so bad. <laughs> we can really like bring, we can really open the door to other perspectives and uh, and and women. Um, so I would love to hear your thoughts. We talked a little bit about this before, but women in leadership in specifically the government. Yes. So money is power. Um, unfortunately, fortunately, I don't, you know, I don't know how we necessarily feel about that, but in our country, money is power. Mm-hmm. And they've done studies that show that when women feel confident about money, they move into leadership roles, um, specifically in business. But when we think, whenever we think about the economic gender gap, which includes the pay gap, it includes the wealth gap. It also includes the political gap. There are so few women politicians um, compared to men, and a lot of that is the way that those politicians get into their their roles, which is by having money, which is by having supporters with money, and so. A lot of times the things that we teach women around building wealth, around feeling confident with money are the same things that you need in order to be a leader and in order to keep going and get to a place where you are making decisions. So um, that's on the one hand. On the other hand, when you think about if we had women with more power, if we had empaths with more power, the decisions that would be made for our country for for humans, I guess, in general, like the problems that we're seeing right now, I truly believe they would go away because we'd be thinking about things from a more human lens. And you can you can hear a lot of times, um, you know, very wealthy people will say, well, the more money you have, the more you're going to realize like how important it is to keep the economy moving. And and that has to take precedence over, you know, some of these other rights. And it's like, no, those are just things that have been ingrained with you because this is the way it's been done all these times. And so this is exactly why we have to get women with more money and with more power so that we're making decisions from a human lens instead of just thinking about money, right? And right. thinking about like, what's what's the best business decision? Well, it doesn't have to be either or, right? It's bad for business, but it's not. When, when women are in more leadership roles, businesses do better. When women invest, they they outperform the men who are investing. Mm-hmm. And so it's really amazing to see that these are just stories we've been told that women aren't supposed to be in, in leadership as much, that they're not supposed to be investing. They're just stories that we've been told. So it's it's why we're doing the work that we do because we have to change that so much, so much mm-hmm. is at stake, honestly. Go women, like look at I us. I know, we're so, like, we're so cool. That's why, and we're so powerful. it's amazing i it just it it makes so much sense and this is my strategy strength coming into play but when you kind of look at it from a different vantage point and think about almost the systemic reasons that that keep our country from evolving and changing is Mm -hmm. keeping us kind of without as much access or equality when it comes to the the pay gap the wealth gap and the political gap it's mm-hmm. it's just really fascinating to 
to have that context and to have some language around that too, it, it feels really useful. Yeah, it's it's just, it's so important to know and to understand. And, and I think for all women to think about, like if you're having a hard time advocating for yourself in your career, sometimes you have to go beyond, like it's not really about just you. It's not just about just me. It's like you need to advocate for yourself and get to the place where you feel secure and where you can make those choices because other women need to see you you doing that. And because if you're somebody who's sitting there with an idea about how you could change the world or have a mission or help somebody, like we, we need you to, to turn that into a business. We need you to, to turn that into a, a political platform. And the number one way to do that is to feel confident in your choices by being financially secure, by feeling like, yes, I have the options that I can go out and do this. I'm so fired up. Yeah. I'm like just so <laughs> excited. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. And I, what, I guess just to kind of circle all the way back to the beginning, the reason Amy, I reached out to you is because I was so inspired by watching your, your Instagram videos and seeing what you were saying and how you were advocating and seeing how you were doing all of this work to really help empower women. How can people find you? How can they get a slice of that pie? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. I post there every day. I'm on Amy Schultz Money Coach. Um, we're also on Instagram at boulder.money. And then you can go to our website at bouldermoney.com. And that's where you can find out more about the coaching program and the work that we're doing and sign up. If anything you've heard here is something that you need in your life. A hundred percent. Listeners, you heard it here. Um, check out Amy's content and check out bouldermoney.com. We'll have all of this information in the show notes slash the magic ingredient section of empathsatwork.com. Amy, thank you so, so much. This has been such a treat. And I am I am not exaggerating when I'm saying like I'm literally running to bouldermoney.com after this and, and signing up because I think it, <laughs> it's so inspiring and it feels like some really easy next steps in helping to put more control back into my hands when it comes to my relationship with money. So thank you so much for being here. This is really exciting. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation and I love, I just love the work that you're doing. Um, I just want to say like all three of you took a step to kind of go off of the, the traditional path and starting a, a podcast talking about deeper topics. This is what we need more of. So just kudos to all of you. So thank you. Thank you. All Thank you. Yeah. Making a change. We are actively yeah. making a change in the world. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening to Ew, also known as Empaths at Work. We want you to engage in the conversation. Leave us a voice message by clicking on the link in the episode description. Now for the fine print. The opinions expressed in these podcasts are our personal opinions and don't necessarily reflect the views of any companies we are associated with as working women. That's all.